Megan Barker, welcome to Jammin' and Jammies. We are sitting down with some of our favorite songwriters and industry leaders. We're going to find out how they got where they are and get some valuable insights into the music world. You can watch the interviews online or tune into the podcast. Just check out jamminandjammies.com for all the details. Today, we are sitting down with my friend and Nashville songwriter, Bill DeLuigi. Bill has had over 300 songs cut, and you've probably heard his songs in TV shows and commercials all over the world. And if you're a Nashville songwriter, you probably know Bill. So, we have a lot of stuff we want to talk about. Let's welcome him. Bill, how you doing? Hey, good to see you, Megan. I have my green tea, but I forgot my jammies. Jammies, so <laughs> forgive me. You look pretty cozy in your winter attire. That's close enough. I feel snug as a bug is in a rug. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, do you want to just uh, start by telling everyone where you're from and how you got into music? Yeah, it started, uh, it started... Let's see. I'm from southeastern Pennsylvania, a little town called Downingtown, which is in Chester County. It's near Westchester, Pennsylvania, if you know where Westchester University is. But I did music all my life as a kid. You know, I had my first band in the fifth grade. We did play the fifth grade assembly and always had bands going on and had a big rock band up there for a while in Pennsylvania and uh, kind of all crashed and burned right before the turn of the century. And uh, everywhere I looked, Somebody was going to Nashville, and I had a really good friend up there named Jim Femina, who sadly passed this year, and he was my mentor, and he said, you know, did you ever think about uh, writing songs for other people? And I said, not really, because I'd always been in a rock and roll band or something, and we wrote the songs. He's like, you should try it, and that began, and so the journey began to Nashville. Wow. Wait, so when, what year did you get to Nashville? So I started, I didn't move here until 2005. In 2003, uh, Jim said, you know, go ahead and go down there uh, one week for every three months and just start understanding what's going on. And then, so I did that for two years from 03 to 05. And then I moved here in 05, the weekend of Hurricane Katrina. I'll never forget it. Wow. Wow. What a time. Well, uh, how long was it when you got here till you got your first cut? Well, the weird thing about it was the, uh, I came here and like, if I could say from 2003 to 2005 and in 2004, I went to one of these NSAI, uh, they always have these seminars and everything. And it was a Christian one, like Christian and gospel music. And I came for that and somebody heard my song at that and actually recorded it. They're like, we want to record that song. So I was like, wow, this is pretty easy. I'm, I'm just <laughs> going to keep on coming back then. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. So you got a song cut before you even moved here. I did, actually, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, so how long till your next one? I mean, you've had so many now. Did they just happen like this for you? Is it easy? Well, you know, I guess th they have been happening a lot. You know, um, this business is just a, you know, you learn along the way. It's where they say you're picking up pennies and turn them into dollars. And you're picking up dollars and turn them into hundreds of dollars and hundreds into thousands. So you find ways and means. That's something that Jim always taught me was like, find outlets for your songs. Find a place where they can go. Think outside the box. You know, what if it's a product or what if you uh, know somebody that's involved with a company or, man, I tried every single angle you can imagine thinking out of the box to get my songs cut and they started getting cut. And uh, I've had some strange offshoots. You know, you never know where something's going to land. I've had songs sit around for, 10 years and then get cut and uh so 
it happens various and sundry sundry ways but the main thing is just keep showing up for work every day and putting the jersey on and uh writing good songs and eventually they're going to get somewhere <laughs> so how big of a, a role does work ethic play in this business do you think for me it's it's everything it's uh first of all for your fundamental uh, you know becoming a good commercial writer it takes a long time to develop your you know we call pi professional intuition your sensibilities <laughs> um because you come from a small at least i did i came from a small town and i was we had the best rock band and we were cool so i'm like well, when i get there I, they're going to be blown away by my songwriting ability <laughs> you know? so so you get here and then they start going wow and you're like oh yeah i never thought about that because i was always writing songs to please myself i wasn't writing songs they could be cut by 10 different people that could be used in a TV show that's for a scene that for a death scene or for a romantic scene. Like, how do you write the same song for that? So it takes a long time showing up for work every day and just learning the ropes and realizing that really they're not all great. You know, about 80 percent of what you write will end up sitting on somebody's iPhone somewhere, probably. And uh, so that's why it's important to develop your skills. It's also important to develop your relationships with people and to learn how to write um, different kinds of songs and stuff like that. So it's all about showing up. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's not the first time that I've heard that either, that uh, you just don't know where things are going to come from. I think that's like a, a recurring theme. And all of these people that I get to talk to, like you, is things happen when you least expect it out of crazy circumstances. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's hard to gauge what is maybe your most successful or most popular song because you've had songs in TV, you've had songs on the radio and in commercials and by so many different artists. But like, what do you think is your most, your biggest cut to date or something like that or placement? Well, date? we've gotten, uh, I've gotten a lot of different things. One song that's been really good to me is a song called The Great American Song. And it's been used in everything. I mean, it was... I did it. We did a deal with the, the show uh, on CW, Heart of Dixie. I love uh, it. Back in, I think it was in 20, back in the mid 20s, sometime 2015 or something like that. So they used about 20 different uh, placements of a bunch of my songs from a catalog. And then, uh, so Great American Song was used a couple of times in that show. And then it was also, it was in a movie or two. And now it's part of a thing where like I, it pops up. I have it with some company like scorekeepers or something where they put in your songs for different sports and stuff. So it's, it's been a NASCAR, it's been in sports and it popped up the other day on boxing friends. We were actually me and the writer were, were heading out to do a little tour. She's an Americana artist, Chantal Ogden, one of the writers. And she, uh, the other writer, Mark and Stewart called us up. He's like, Hey man, American great American song was on Fox and friends this morning. I was like, wow. I don't even know how exactly how they got it, but that was one that's, produced a lot of money i've got a couple of big cuts coming up this year that i can't announce right now but we're really excited about it and one of them was a song that was 10 years old no not 10 it was a song from um seven years ago mm. it got cut by a big artist in europe and then i uh, have another one coming up uh real soon we can't wait to announce those so they're going to be on that other one's going to be on uh, broken bow so it's going to be a, a big oh release so, okay. yeah so anyway that's really exciting. We're going to have to do another sit down in a few months and, and get the details on that stuff. Yes, when we can when we can announce that when the artists announce it themselves. Yeah. 
That's so exciting. Okay, well, so songs like the Great American Song that you're talking about, were you trying to write for Sync? Yeah, we actually were that day. Uh, Chantel Ogden was with me and she was looking at an American song. Well, I don't know if it was American songwriter, it was some songwriter magazine. And it said, uh, I think it was like the Great American Song Contest was, was the song contest. And we were writing for film and, you know, trying to find broad things. And you always can use a, a patriotic song or, a, you know, whatever. And I'm like, hey, this would be a good idea for a patriotic kind of song, the Great American Song. So, yeah, we were writing for Sankin. That day we got it right. That was one of the 20 percenters. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, take me into songwriting then. And how is writing, because you write it with a lot of country artists, how is writing with country artists different than writing for sync? It's two different worlds. Would you agree? Absolutely. Uh, country country music, you know, we're writing the story. We're, we're describing the, the lint on somebody's coat and what color the, you know, their boots are and all these little small details you know i've written like the song i wrote with you smoking again you know we've got like a match pack under the table like we've got every little detail but then when you're writing because because they want to hear the story because the song is the story but then quite the opposite when there's already a story we don't want to retell the story that the listeners uh sing right there so what we want to do is we want to usually capture an emotion or a feeling um, maybe there is one line that that sort of epitomizes the whole theme, like great American song. So it could be about a war hero, could be about a farmer, could be the great American song, you know, anyway. So that's the difference. One is really detailed and the other is much more broad brush painting. Beautiful way of putting it. I think that's very clear. Um, can you take us into what a normal week looks like for you? I mean, I know that you have a publishing deal. How much of your calendar is controlled by you versus your publisher? Um, we work together on it and, uh, I have a pretty good, I have, I have a pretty good control over it. Uh, so my week really looks like usually I'm trying to write only once a day, but usually doesn't happen. So I'm, I'm going to say these days I'm probably writing, you know, not eight songs a week, nine, eight or nine songs a week. In between them is demo, uh, getting songs ready to demo possibly. So there's always staying on top of demo production, uh, figuring out how to produce a demo. And then I have a co-publishing deal. So I still have my own publishing company that I have to do all the administrative stuff and the licensing for that one. So there's a good deal of that. And, um, you know, I'll play a few gigs around town, you know, at the Bluebird or the listening room. We'll, we'll do that as well. So there's all those things that are involved. Do you enjoy that side of it? Since you were in a band for years, do you love performing? I do. Yeah, it's really great. There's nothing, you know, you can sit there, as you know, you can sit there and agonize over melodies and lyrics for hours and you have no clue if it's really going to go over when you use your instincts. But when you sit in a room and you play it, there's no question right away. It's either going, it's either pass or fail. And there it is. You know, you can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Is there an artist that you'd really like to work with? Is there kind of like a big goal of an artist you'd love to work with one day? Well, you mean, as far as like write with, I guess, or have them cut your song. Yeah. I have, yeah. I mean, there's so many, I would love to have, I would love to have, uh, you know, Keith Urban or Kenny Chesney cut my song, or Blake Shelton, you know, I've got lots of songs that would fit those guys, and, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm really honored anytime, 
anybody cuts one of my songs, I'm like, that is, you know, yeah. somebody's gonna put their put everything on the line for that song. And I've had lots of, you know, I've never had a hit, and I've had top 100, you know, billboard songs and stuff like that. And when somebody commits, an artist re- commits to recording one of your songs, you know, they're they're committing to dropping, you know, a hundred thousand dollars on that song, possibly when it's all said and done. So I'm honored that right. anybody does. Yeah. When you start talking about the numbers, a lot of people don't talk about it, but it's crazy but to get a song cut and all that goes into it. That's a whole other conversation, but yeah. Yeah. Big belief. Yeah. Um, what do you think is the hardest part about being a songwriter? The hardest part is like, uh, trying to be fresh every day and not become a hack for one thing um the hardest part is honestly sometimes you know getting there is so much rejection like and you know that you put your heart and soul at least you know me and you and the writers i know we put our hearts and soul into it we'll rewrite and write but you know and then to see something that gets cut that's really didn't seem like it had a lot going on when you hear it or maybe it's just me but uh you get passed up because the way songs get cut isn't necessarily because the greatest song is is what got picked it might there's a lot of reasons a song gets cut you know so that's kind of hard to get when you get passed up you know and you're like man that was right on point but anyway yeah yeah that 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 is the most difficult part of being a songwriter is just dealing with the the rejection and I think everybody in town knows you and knows Bill DeLuigi as always fresh, always full of, of life and vibrancy and you're ready to write a song. And how do you do it? <laughs> you're a machine. <laughs> well, I pray a lot. That helps <laughs> before every session because it's, yeah, it is tough. I mean, what you kind of do is you know, you let the you let the cliche stuff come to your brain and reject it or just get it down on paper and then throw it away, yeah. you know, or, or as you, you might, you know, or in your brain, you're like, the first thing you want to say is, you know, the sun was up, you know, and then it's like, wait a minute, we can beat that. You know? yeah. So, yeah. It's, so, so you kind of just keep rejecting things until you find something that's a little uncomfortable and then you take that out and then you shave the rough edges off of it, you know. <laughs> What is your favorite part of your job? Um, man, I, I love finishing a good song, you know, with a good lyric and a good melody. I love it when I see my name in a movie credit, you know, at the end of the movie on the big screen. That's exciting. You know, or I'd look at the chart and it's like, oh, it's, you know, breaking into the top 100 or whatever. Uh, all that stuff. I mean, you can get hooked on looking at BDS charts real good. Like, it's like crack cocaine in a way. You know, it's like, ooh. What, what's going to happen next week, you know? Um, well, is there anything that you wish you would have learned sooner? Or something you wish you would have known when you'd first jumped into this world? Um, I guess I, I wish I would have been like a little more open, like in the beginning, it's, it, that, that thing like, well, this is good enough. You know, I would think, I remember the first four years, like I couldn't get arrested, it felt like, you know, and I was like, this is good enough. This is good enough. But it wasn't really like I wasn't doing that thing where reject the cliche and try to go a little deeper. Now, sometimes you want those cliches. You, it's that it's like Thai cooking. You know, you want to have like all the flavors in there. So you have a new flavor as opposed to like, wow, that's really salty. 
you know? So maybe if I had learned that a little bit earlier, you know, and um, I think I would have, that would have been good. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned that earlier too, that when we first get here, everybody, we think that we are it. We are the hit of our hometown. We think we've got it. And you quickly realize that the bar in Nashville is just so high. And there's so many bars. There's so many bars. <laughs> you should write songs. Look at you. Well, what is next for you? And how do you focus on like, how much time do you spend writing for sync? How much time do you spend writing with artists? Um, yeah, what is next this year is just a bigger artist and, um, you know, some new writers I'm working with, I'm really excited about. Um, I think it's, you know, it's, it kind of is, how do you want to say it? Uh, function dictates the form. So it's like, um, I worked with a couple of different shows. I worked with a producer for Young and Restless, which is one of my constant uh, placement places. So when they call and go, we need a lot of Christmas songs, you know? So I'll, I'll jump on that. There's deadlines on things. So when a deadline comes like that, uh, or an artist is coming to town, like we want to cut and we need a radio single to release by May 31st. So that'll tell where I'm, you know, as opposed to writing for catalog, like I'll move those catalog rights out of the way and go, I, this has got to happen, you know? So, um, so you write for catalog, you write for product and you write for things, people that are cutting, and uh, then, you know, especially for film and television, we get a lot of different cues and things from different sources that say, hey, this movie's coming up. Like now we're writing songs for uh, a movie. It's the new Left Behind movie. It's called Left Behind, The Rise of the Antichrist. And it's like part two of that whole Left Behind thing. Cool. So we actually know the, know the artist who's, uh, in, whose uh, boyfriend is the lead and they want to use some of her music. So... We jumped on that right away. We're like, okay, let's produce three tracks for that. So yeah, it's definitely deadlines. Definitely uh, kind of tell what your schedule is going to be like. Yeah, that's very exciting. I think that a lot of our followers are new and and trying to figure out how to get their feet wet and how to become like you. So if one of them asked, how do you make these connections? You know, with the TV producers and publishers, and I mean, where do you start in meeting these people? Um. For me, it was a boy, it was just a long road of uh, making connections and hitting and missing. And uh, I think what helped was in the if you're a very brand new songwriter, I would highly suggest you join like global songwriters or uh, an organi organization like that. They're one I can really recommend. They uh, because they will shortcut you a little bit in that they have uh, events, maybe you know, in a month, four different times, they'll have a Music Row publisher come and listen to your stuff. They'll have a film and television person come and listen to your stuff. So if it's, you know, you want to get on the inside where you're already talking to a publisher or uh, people that know people, they might go, oh, that's not right for this show, but maybe you should write with this person. And then, then that producer may work on another show. And then it's kind of spreads out. And, and then, you know, try your own hand at things like look up some of these these companies are legit like if you especially if you do instrument instrumental music yeah. scorekeepers is a really good company to get your stuff in sports and nascar and that kind of thing there's crucial music is the other one i can highly suggest that is not uh because they still do non-exclusive contracts crucial gets can get really good ones. 
if you have the time and can figure out their website, Song Trader. You can actually make some money on Song Trader. Uh, you're in a big pool. You're in a very big pool, but I have friends that have gotten some pretty good placements off of there just by, again, showing up every day, pitching 20 songs. You know, it gets to be drudgery, but then every now and then it's like, oh, I got one in there, you know, and it was a $10,000 payment. So, hallelujah. Yeah, you know, I've heard people say that it's kind of two different worlds, so it's hard to focus on both. How to write for sync and pursue a commercial country songwriting career. But, you know, if you're writing songs every day, you could be writing something in the country commercial world that will fit over here. You never know. So, you know, Absolutely. I would just, I would agree with you. Just make all the connections you can. And the thing I always say, and this is your interview, not mine, but just follow up. Don't be scared to just send emails, you know. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. What do you got to lose? Go be a go-getter. I love it. Um, okay. Are you more of a big goal kind of person or little steps every day kind of person? I'm kind of a little steps every day because I think if you do your thing every day, it will roll into that. Yeah. You know, I don't do five-year plans and all that kind of thing. And maybe I should. I don't know. I just, you know, I get up, I pray, and I go, I'm going to do my best today. And it all works out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. What is the best piece of advice you've gotten? Or the worst, I guess. Well, the most uh, <laughs> advice that sticks <laughs> out in your mind. Let's see. Well, one of the best pieces of advice was Jim again, Jim Femino. Um, he said, let people record your songs, you know, like, and this isn't an across the board thing. I mean, because if you've got a song that's like undeniable and you're writing with people who can go pitch that song to Al Dean or Eric Church, then let that happen. But generally, if you're up and coming, your your connections haven't gotten to that point yet. Let people record your songs, and because you never know what's going to turn what it's going to turn into. Great American Song was a good point like that. It, when we when it got recorded initially, it was just it was a duo, you know, local duo, and uh, that thing blew up. And then I've had other worked with a lot of independent artists along the way that actually became actresses or got involved so had you know first just starts out as an independent cut and then it ends up getting in a couple of different movies and then goes to radio secondarily which which still there was a revenue stream so let people record your songs don't be like i'm only gonna you know i only want tim mcgraw to miranda lambert to record that you know uh, rethink that situation that's what jim taught me and uh, you never know where a song will go you know I think that's the the theme is you just never know you never know too when an artist is going to blow up don't count anybody out because you just never know and the same thing goes with the connections you're making at publishers or labels or sync places you just never know that person's going to move on and they'll remember you that's right that's a good point that people forget is like as you come to town the people that you come to town with eventually they you know about 80 percent of them are going to go back home and then the 20 percent stay you know, about 5%, maybe country stars, head of publishing, big producers. I've written with so many people that are now stars, you know, um, along the way. And I value those yeah. relationships because now they can pay off a little bit. If you just stick around long enough, you know, <clears throat> stuff just kind of happens naturally. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, do you, in the world of Zooms now, do you think somebody who wants to be a commercial songwriter has to be a national? Um, I still think it's really helpful if you can be, because although this all happens by Zoom, 
nobody's going to know your face and your name that much if you aren't here all the time and know what's going on and you know, there's a lot going on and we still do go out and hang out a bit you know even with the with the uh, pandemic and everything and yeah. I think anything's possible but I think the odds are definitely improved if you do live here right no I think it's good I appreciate it. that's why I'm asking I appreciate your honesty as I think you know at, at a certain point I needed to hear that and I've heard stories of other people who eventually had to bite the bullet and come here and it was the best thing they ever did so do you have to no of course there's examples of like Lori McKenna and people like that but I I I think that's great advice if you want to improve your odds you know be present to win absolutely yeah I love that okay well it has been a tough couple of years uh, I know a lot of people you were just talking about that went home you know, it got a little too tough and they threw in the towel. It's tough to see. What would you maybe say to somebody who's been struggling, um, you know, not getting enough shows, not being able to write, not making ends meet. It's been a stressful time. You know, what would you say to a creative? Well, struggling? I actually have a song coming out on that topic. I don't know when I'm going to release it. And it's called Right Here in Music City. Oh. And it kind of addresses that whole thing. So. Here's what I ask people. It's not an easy question. It's a little bit of a complicated answer. So the first thing when people, when I go somewhere, some people go, hey, I think I want, I think I'm going to Nashville to be a songwriter. I think that's what I want to do. And so the first thing I ask people is, okay, you're here. If I said you can have all the money in the world, everything you need, only on one condition, which is you can never write another song, would you do it? And if you can say, you know, if you say no to that question, then I think you're going to come here and stick and stay. If, you, if you're not sure, maybe you're not ready yet. So I just tell people, you know, I mean, I always like pray, find out what your purpose is. Like ask God what your purpose is. Is this my purpose? Is it more than just for, for me and my, you know, because it's like we live our lives here. You come here and then your life takes place. So am I living the right life for me? Am I helping people? Am I giving and taking back my part of the community? You know, that kind of thing. So ask yourself those kind of questions. Um, if you're here and you're sure of all that stuff, then I would say hang in because you could be that five minutes away from a miracle. You know, you never know. You, you know, I love getting those emails that go, hey, you just got placed on so-and-so or so-and-so just cut your song. You know, it's coming out this year. Um, I would just say hang in there because this is what you're meant to do. Obviously, if you're if it's if it's what you're meant to do, it's what you're meant to do. And you're not going to be happy doing anything else. So you might as well find ways and means to to pay the bills, you know. Make it work. Amen. I yeah. love that five minutes away from a miracle. See, you speak in song titles, Bill. Look at you. <laughs> amazing i agree i, I there's uh, i think there's a moment we interviewed marty dodson uh male marty dodson a while back and yeah. he said if you can do anything else do it because this is this is tough but if you can't do anything else i think that's exactly what you were just saying it's beautiful yeah yeah okay final question uh is there any artist or band that you're really excited about and you want everyone to go check out right now um let's see wow or any one well, of your, any one of your songs perhaps that you'd like everybody to go check out i would like people to check out uh i've been working with a band who was huge back in the around the turn of the century they were multi-platinum band called blessed union of souls so it's b-l-e-s-s-i-d mm -hmm. 
Union of Souls. They got that name from MASH because it was a sign that was misspelled on MASH, the TV show. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and blessed. But anyway, they are an amazing band. Elliot Sloan uh, is the lead singer, and me and him and Shay Watson have been writing songs for about three years. We put out a lot of Blessed Union stuff together and uh, had a lot of success on television with those guys in movies. But they're just an awesome band and uh, still going at it. So check out Blessed Union of Souls. And there's a great video for a song called Smile, which should, that we wrote that should make you smile. I will go check it out right now, and I'm sure everybody else will. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. It just flew by, but I'd love to check back in with you later this year when all of your big news comes out. Absolutely. My, my pleasure always, Megan. Well, we really appreciate it, and we'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good. <laughs> Bye. See ya. Dude. 